0: You're listening to the private citizen defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 135 for Wednesday, the 14th of December, 2022. The Twitter Files, Part One. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab, and I'm coming to you from Düsseldorf in Germany. Not live. Going to explain in a second why that is. So it's live to tape. Um, yeah, I'm back. Um, thanks for listening to the show. Um, thanks for being here. I'm gonna explain in a second what happened. <laughs> um, but today we will we will uh, be focusing on the Twitter files. Well, we'll be starting to focus on the f- Twitter files. There's so much material and so much interesting stuff that this will probably take several episodes. Um, also, the um, you know this being referred to as part one is part one of my coverage. It's not the Twitter files part one. I'm going to pick those apart um, and um, cover them in a more um, approachable format, I think, or one that that I find is more logical. Um, anyway, um, today we're going to start on the Twitter files, and um, yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, let me quickly explain um was what has happened i mean i planned to be away from the show for a week um for reasons uh that you know just personal personal reasons i just couldn't record a show for a week and um that you know i had a great week that worked well um but then um as soon as i was back home um i became sick so um monday on the pre not not like i'm recording this on wednesday obviously not like the monday this week but like the monday on the previous week i started to feel sick and um yeah so you know i thought I okay it's gonna be a cold um but i was pretty much uh knocked out for a whole week um i um was in bad very very weak i just general you know cold man flu symptoms really um I, because my wife works in a hospital, I relatively quickly uh, tested myself and it, it turned out not to be SARS CoV 2. Um, and then I thought, oh, it's just going to be a cold. But um, it kept me like for days. Um, I didn't have any energy. I just basically couldn't get out of bed. I was cold the whole time. Uh, I was freezing. Uh, I was sweating at night. Um, and then, um, yeah, once I could move again, um, pretty much, you know, as the weekend approached, um I I could I could get up you know I was actually I was doing things um I was going out doing things but like my brain didn't work I could not write I couldn't um yeah I couldn't couldn't have produced any podcast like mentally um also my voice was completely shot until about a day or two ago so uh that also prevented me from from doing podcasts like my nose was blocked but also my voice was completely shot um I am now better um I'm not completely recovered uh, you might be you might be able to tell from my voice i've got some tea here mm. because i can already feel um cough coming up but um yeah i so I, I you know my voice will be a bit rough i hope i hope that's okay i hope you can you can forgive me um yeah I want you to get this um this episode this a number of episodes um i'm not recording this live uh, on Twitch so there will be no video version of the show um, of this episode um, basically because uh, yeah um, you know I just scheduling I'm, I'm just trying to the, the problem is um, so in case you you haven't heard this Twitter the Twitter files happened um, if you haven't heard I'm gonna explain uh, in a little bit what that actually means um, but it's a huge story. And it's a lot of material, and I really want to cover it. So I had lots of episodes li- lined up that once again got pushed back again. Um, and I'm kind of running out um, at the end of the year here, uh, time-wise, because I, will, I won't I will be recording any episodes um, in the week coming up to Christmas and for the rest of the year. So my current plan is um, to, to finish the Twitter files reporting, which I don't know if I can because there's more stuff coming out, um, but I'll do – two or three uh episodes on the twitter files um in, in in this week and in the next if everything goes according to plan and then i want to do a special feedback episode because um again for scheduling reasons there's any feedback in this show and it might not be in the next one um so and i will still have feedback like from previous episodes that i want to cover and there's probably going to come in more um because of twitter file stuff so um, yeah so i'm gonna try to do that i can't promise though i'll, I'll because you know I'll, I'll do my best to do as many episodes as possible before i do the customary uh end of year wrap-up episode that i do every year and that'll be um i don't know—I actually have to look at, at the calendar uh when i'm releasing this but um yeah so i'm releasing this this week so that will be like next week next week sometime i I'll, I'll, I'll try to you know get as many episodes as possible I'll do the customary end of year episode and then I'll I'll just go on uh, on holiday for the rest of the year and then we'll be back in January and you know I'll I'll probably do more Twitter files episodes then or whatever um but you know I wanted to come back as soon as possible um even if I'm not completely recovered and and give you the 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 load on this because it's very important um I think so that's um what we will be doing um that's to explain why there weren't any episodes for the last two weeks? Um, I'm I'm terribly sorry about that. I'm, I'm you know uh, thanks to everybody who's uh, staying with the show and uh, you know supporting me um, throughout this time, uh, monetarily or otherwise really helps out. So um, thanks to all of you. And without further ado, let's just get into um, into the main topic here. <laughs> let's um, discuss what the Twitter files are all about um, so the Twitter files are basically Elon Musk who's bought Twitter and we talked about that previously on the show um, is kind of cleaning house and has released uh, a massive amount of documents concerning um, how Twitter did content moderation especially uh, political content moderation because Musk has always said you know free speech is his goal of buying Twitter so he's kind of clearing cleaning house and he's also kind of I think justifying why he fired so many people at Twitter indirectly or at least I understand um, a lot of that now (laughs) Um, so um, yeah so he's handed uh, a stash of internal um, I think they're almost all like slack messages um, to uh, a number of journalists um, starting with Matt Taibbi who we've talked about on the show before and I really like his reporting um, so, so he started with Matt Taibbi, and then um, we figured out that also involved uh, Barry Weiss, formerly of the New York Times, and uh, Michael shallenberger, who isn't. I mean, Taibbi and Weiss are journalists. Shallenberger really isn't. He's more of an author. I think he uh, kind of rose his claim to fame that he uh, used to be a. He's an environmentalist and he used to be a um, a climate change um, guy. Uh, talked a lot about man-made global warming and has since changed his mind and become controversial. And that's kind of his that's why he's known. Um, they're all three kind of sub-stack people. So I don't know why that is. Um, but um, I mean, Ta- Taibi is involved because in these Slack messages, I, I think, yeah, some of it is emails as well. There's some emails in there as well where you can see uh, Jack, the previous CEO of Twitter, um, Jack Dorsey, actually emailing his team and going like mailing him a story by Matt Taibbi and going like from a sub stack and going, why is this or like, is is this true what he's complaining about and stuff like that. So I found that, found that very interesting. But yeah, so this is Elon Musk uh, giving a number of internal documents to journalists and the journalists covering it. Um, It is almost all to do with like content moderation. Um, There's stuff about shadow banning, which is particularly interesting to me. And um, then there's also stuff concerning well, it's kind of concerns like the the Donald Trump ban and um and the uh, uh, the Biden laptop story, how that was suppressed on Twitter, which is also very interesting to me. So today, as I said, I'm not taking the numbering of the Twitter files. I'm changing the material around a little bit today. Um, we'll be talking about well, how this came about is what we're just talking about right now, but also. Um, how it was received in the media and then I'm going to talk about the, the the shadow banning which was the first thing Barry Weiss reported um, how that worked so the technical stuff basically and I think in the next episode I'll be talking about the uh, suppression of the Hunter Biden story uh, but first I want to lay the groundwork with the shadow banning and all of that so um, it's kind of the way that they uh, there's some, some interesting so apparently the only um, requirement Musk had for this journalist to publish this, um, the only um, kind of gotcha, the only uh, uh, thing he uh, had them basically agree to was that they would do that on Twitter. So it's published on Twitter. I think it's kind of Elon Musk's humor, uh, kind of you know, roasting Twitter on Twitter, uh, as it were. Um, it doesn't make for really good reporting, but you know that's that's the way it goes. Um, I think the way. Um, it's been divided among people. It's basically these people had access, and this included, like, flying to Twitter. Uh, Matt Eby has talked about how he flew to Twitter, and I looked at this material. Um, And um, basically they did uh, searches through the material, and it's basically what they came up with. Um, That's kind of their stuff, which is what they are reporting, and this kind of dictates the... um, order in which they're doing it so I'm, that's why I've changed it around a little bit um, but we before we get into it um, I've now explained to you that you know Elon Musk has uh, has handed journalists this material but there was a thing that came up um, as a side note to to the first batch of uh, things that Matt EB published um, which is really interesting to me um, which is the sketchy uh, FBI lawyer that was involved so apparently in the release of the first batches of files to Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss, um, there was a guy in the email chain called, uh, uh, well, you know, in the in the in the mail chain that that who was called Jim, and uh, Barry Weiss actually asked at some point who that was, and uh, the name was Jim Baker. Um, so it turns out this was James Jim Baker, who used to be general counsel for the FBI who vetted these released documents. uh, And, well, you know, if you're a company and you're releasing stuff to journalists, I mean, that's generally a good idea to have a lawyer vet this. Um, The problem is uh, Elon Musk didn't know about this. (laughs) Um, And uh, that wasn't his intention. He just wanted to hand the material pretty much um, as it was to these guys, to the journalists, and I didn't really give them any... um, set any conditions which by the way uh, I've talked about before I really don't like Elon Musk Um, and I've been a very outspoken critic of him for over 10 years he's actually um, now um, I mean I I almost kind of start liking him for doing this Uh, I think this this is very good um, for society what he's doing even though he's probably doing it also to burn some people that he didn't like that were running Twitter before You know, he certainly has his own reasons, but I I think this is really good. I mean, this is like a this is the first thing like a billionaire has done that actually uh, made me feel better about them. You know, like um, usually like people like uh, Bill Gates are celebrated for giving all their money away and you know know, fighting disease or whatever. And I'm really not impressed by this kind of thing. Um, You know, I've, I've I've always judge people especially people like billionaires um i judge them at a higher standard than other people because um i mean the the, they acquired billions of dollars by basically screwing people over that's the only way you become a millionaire or a billionaire basically um i mean you can indirectly screw people over but like even if you're like you know suddenly a bitcoin millionaire that i mean all that money just comes from somebody you know somebody lost that money um, even if they've given it to you willingly, it doesn't matter. Um so um yeah, uh it's kind of and especially people who build like Bill Gates who actually screwed over people, um, to get that rich. Um, you know, I, I, I judge them at a the higher standards, like they can't just buy themselves um out of that hole in my view, but just, you know, giving you know if you make billions of dollars and then you give almost all of it away but you keep like half a billion whatever like you get you give them 95% of your money away it doesn't matter because you're still a millionaire uh or in some cases still billionaire you know you it doesn't really it, it your life doesn't change um if you have 1 billion or 10 right you can just give 9 billion dollars away a billion is enough forever so as i'm concerned um so you know this kind of thing actually uh impresses me a lot more. Um because I mean, especially because Musk is now hated by much of the world for doing for doing this, which is again funny to me because I think he's actually doing good work. Um net net good for society what he's doing. But um, yeah, so so there was this FBI lawyer who was vetting the files um that that um Elon Musk didn't know about, so um think taibi and weiss went went talk to talk to musk and he immediately fired this uh jim baker guy who was by the way he was general counsel for the fbi from 2014 2017 um as matt taibi writes uh baker is a controversial figure he's been somewhat of a zealot of fbi controversies i think he meets that movie with that one guy who was like this perfect bureaucrat who can just mold himself into other people so he's, he's had his fingers everywhere i guess what that means and he's been somewhat of a something of a zalic of fbi controversies dating back to 2016 from steel dossier to the alpha server mess. he resigned in 2018 after an F- investigation into leaks to the press so he's been part of all these anti-trump scams that the FBI cooked up like the steel dossier favorite. I mean, lots of people still think that, you know, the, the the P-tape and all that stuff and the stuff in the steel dossier is like legit. And was actually because, you know, the, the Times and the Post and the mainstream media basically kept re-reporting this shit. But it was just like a shady FBI guy who thought all this shit up. Like they literally made a file and they just thought up things about, like they made up things about Donald Trump. I mean, I don't like Donald Trump, yeah you have to say that every time but like i really don't uh, but what i also don't like is like the press just reporting lies from intelligence services it doesn't matter who's the target of that it doesn't make the it doesn't make it better by the way meta ev broke this story just coming back from a um an appearance at the monk debates in i think toronto somewhere in canada um i'm going to put a link to the um to the monk debates um uh there's like a, a 90 minute um so 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 meta eb uh together with douglas murray um debated malcolm gladwell and oh god a woman from the new york times i think she was She's just so forgettable she was just like she was bad she was really bad she was like Almost kept debating for the other side. Anyway, um, so so man debates is like this famous thing where you like debate an issue, and and uh, Douglas Murray and Meta um, Eby argued that you shouldn't trust mainstream media, and Gladwell um, and the other person. I'm going to have to look this up now. Don't I? I, can't, I just couldn't can't remember her name. Um, let me see. Uh, this live. Well, I mean, it's not live, but I'm not cutting it out. Um who were they debating? Um it was what's her name? Uh Michelle Goldberg. Uh so Douglas Murray Meta EB saying I don't trust mainstream media. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Michelle Goldberg saying you have to trust mainstream media, them of course both being part of mainstream media. Um and yeah uh it was uh, it's a great debate um it's 90 minutes but it's well worth watching um because um i mean Taby makes a great point uh murray makes a great point and is a great debater he's the best debater i've ever seen he's like he's like he's well dressed he knows how to play the audience um he is uh sharp as hell (laughs) <laughs> he's vicious if he wants to be. Like, Gladwell really starts pissing people off, like, through the middle. He's just going in with, like, ad hominem attacks. And you can see at some point, Douglas Murray's like, I'm not having this. He's, like, British. So he's, like, it takes a while for him to cross that threshold. He's like, I'm not having this. I'm going back. And, like, at his, in his last rebuttal, so Malcolm Gladwell keeps calling him Doug, right? And he says, Douglas. He Like, he keeps correcting him. Like, my name's Douglas. <laughs> and then at the final um rebuttal of the debate douglas uh, murray just starts off with well milk and then just lets it hang for like 10 seconds and the audience just goes mad it's very good anyway uh, it's well worth it seeing because it, it basically encapsulates in 90 minutes what i think the promise of the mainstream media. I might do an episode on this whole sort of thing but anyway taibi was just back from that from winning this by the way this um they won this debate um it it was so the way the monk debates work is they poll everybody the audience they poll thousands of people that are in the audience um what their feeling is about the resolution like what side they're on and then they poll them at the end and then they decide how many switched um camps right how big the swing is and in this debate had a 39 percent swing so it was basically fifty fifty in the beginning and then it just massively swung to the pro side, um, uh, which is like the biggest, biggest change this debate ever had. And um it it's, it's well worth watching anyway. So so um Taibi it just was just back from that and then broke the Twitter files, right? And um it's just like we'll get into why I think the Twitter files are important, but like this whole, um, this whole thing has become like, it has crystallized basically while the mainstream media can't be trusted. Like it's like, he just came back from that debate arguing that. And then his next story, which is probably the biggest story of his life that he broke, then single-handedly showed again why he was right. Um, but like, I mean, the, this, uh, the sketchy FBI lawyer was just like a head shake to me as well. Like why? How like, so basically Trump, uh, Trump, call him Trump. Well, well, that's uh, <laughs> that's a Freudian slip. Musk, basically Musk um, <laughs> buys Twitter. Uh, and then kicks a lot of people out, and then just like, okay, I'm going to play with open cards here. I'm going to release some documents, but apparently, he's not kicked everybody out because they still managed to finagle it that this lawyer was vetting everything. So then, then Musk had to fire that guy, and I now I, I think now the those reporters now have much more direct access to the material. Um, so yeah, that that was that was interesting. Um, what is also interesting, like, I mean, wait, uh, well, before I move on, maybe some people, they're like, what's the problem with, like, you'll think, like, why is why is Fab so upset about this being an FBI guy? And, I mean, not only that he was involved in, like, this, this shit of, like, you know, trying to um, invent crap uh, against Trump, which, you know, will play into, like, he's obviously progressive left, right? So that's why he got hired to Twitter and then became, um, I think, what, what was his role there? Let uh, me just look that up. Uh, I think uh, he became a uh, deputy general counsel, yeah. Um, so that's what, obviously why they hired him, but like, that's not the problem. The problem is just hiring a, an ex-FBI lawyer, right, um, to me, because I don't like intelligence services. Um, and the FBI... Um, I kind of understand foreign intelligence services. Like, if I had to pick, I even like those more because I understand, like, you're a sovereign state, you have enemies, you know. It's basically, there's always, like, borderline war in international relations, right? So even with allies, you basically, you have to spy on people. They spy on you. um, You spy on them. I kind of do understand that, actually. But like the internal intelligence services are the one that really, like, get my goat. Like they're like this secret police, like, kind of thing. Which is what the FBI is. Which is what the Verfassungsschutz is in Germany, right? They're they spy on their own citizens, and the FBI. We'll see over the next few episodes how how involved they got with like this Twitter stuff and basically with censoring speech, uh, in the U.S. and like keeping watch and like cataloging what. U.S. citizens or like everybody but you know what, what people say on Twitter and like it's one thing if you're a company and you're hiring an ex-FBI lawyer it's another thing if you're Twitter uh, and Twitter in the beginning was really about like we're about speech uh, we're about free speech we're like the place where people can you know we're, we're like democratizing speech so to, so to speak like I think they actually said that at some point um which is stupid because that's not what democracy means but you know you know you know what what they mean right we're like leveling the playing field we're, we're allowing everybody to to have their say and if their opinion is, is valid it can get pushed up by other people liking it or whatever that was kind of the idea of twitter um and and these these you know being an intelligence service is kind of like the opposite right um and especially the FBI is is very seems to be very anti free speech uh, at least at at the moment, um, and it's like it just it just shows like it it just shows that that's not your if you're running a social network and you're hiring lawyers with that like pedigree, it kind of shows what you're actually about. Um, instead of what you're saying you're about. You're actually about policing things. Um and then on top of that, to have that have somebody like that handle like so your CEO goes, We did some shit in the past, like the previous management did some shit. And I wanna regain people's trust. Uh, so I wanna I wanna show what these guys did. Um because I think it's wrong and I don't wanna do this again. This is why I fire all of them. And I, I wanna I wanna be clear here, I wanna be Transparent, which companies never do, right? It's not in the interest of a company. What Elon Musk is doing right now is like detrimental to Twitter, but he just doesn't care because he's a billionaire, which in in this instance is actually good. Um, this actually enables. There's something happening right now at Twitter that seldomly happens, like even if 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 companies get taken over by like the competition or whatever, or by somebody with different ideals, they don't release like the mistakes the employees did in the past. Um, And I think that's also why there's such a big um, backlash against this and against Musk, which I don't understand because I understand if you part of the company, but if you were a Twitter employee back then, you wouldn't like this, but like for the public, um, how can it be bad to know what happened, especially because we're getting into this. This is all stuff that concerns the public, I think. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, that is, I don't understand that. I think that's actually, you know, a good good thing that is happening. But then, of course, the company itself kept, you know, trying to uh, undermine Musk apparently and put this stupid lawyer in charge which has like the exactly opposite agenda and then the before we get into this first batch you know the shadow banning how that worked uh, the the first story actually from the twitter files another thing i want to mention which kind of um uh meshes with which what we've just discussed is just how the mainstream media has treated the story which is appalling Uh, to me that is another case of just appalling journalism um basically most of the big publications have either not talked about this at all, or they're like, Oh yeah, some right-wing journalists got some shit from this Elon Musk guy that we all hate. Right. So it's, 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 and then some, some, some publications that are even going, Oh, they're victimizing the poor employees. And like the only people they've actually, this is all like redacted, right? The only names that are in these files are of, top executives, right this uh joel roth guy uh there's this the, the lawyer of uh, Vijay, vijaya vijaya uh, gaddy or whatever her name is right people like jack dorsey which are top executives, which are responsible to this shit so they're behold they're, they're responsible i think to the public because they're running a public platform or it's at least to the users of twitter which i am one of them um also the, these journalists decided to not redact their names because they've been on the record about some of this stuff. And this actually proves that they were lying, um, which I think is very important. And I I don't understand the press going, oh, let's... I mean, these are all like rich people as well. Like they're rich, they're powerful people. This is not like, oh, some poor dude at Twitter. We're talking, you know, C-level executives here. Um, And people like that, I have very little... Um like mercy for them actually because they make a lot of money and when you talk to these kinds of kinds of people um they all and, and you ask them why do you make so much money they say well I am responsible for this company and that's why I make a lot of money which I can kind of respect. I think a lot of them make too much money, but I can kind of respect. But with that actually goes the responsibility. That means if something goes to shit, you're on the hook for this and you should go to jail, which often doesn't happen. And in case you don't go to jail, like if the press comes out and and finds out some stuff, yeah, then they'll be reporting and they'll be reporting your name. Um, That is shit. But you're, you're kind of a public figure at that point. And you've got a lot of money as compensation for that. So I don't I don't really um have any uh mercy or qualms about these journalists posting about you know they're writing about this and connecting people's names that are responsible for the shit and there is some shit that's been going on some of this stuff in these files is, is mind-boggling um but we'll get into that um but uh, yeah it's I think it's a disgrace um how how the mainstream media has has covered this they've called uh, these journalists right wing I mean Matt Taibbi is anything but not he's not right wing um, he's not even conservative I think in today's climate where basically uh, when you're a little bit right of uh, Karl Marx you're a conservative like me uh, yes you would call him a, you could call him a conservative but only in today's climate he is not a conservative he's actually a, pretty much a leftist I think um, he was covering Wall Street for a long time um, You know, he actually used to cover the Soviet Union I, I think he is he is he is centre left, if not like bona fide left. But okay. Um certainly not right wing. Um I don't think you could say that. I don't think how you could call him right wing. i i mean, Barry Weiss is actually uh, uh among other things, uh she wrote about anti Semitism, right? And she's been uh she's been uh uh you know published in Haratz and like other like uh israeli uh publications um with with this kind of stuff um I, I think these people just they're not they're not the mainstream which is why the mainstream press immediately puts them in that corner um which is amazing like there actually was a german um guy at a at a publication um a german tech publication kind of like a hipster publication uh in hanover and not the one I used to work for, although I think they own this publication now. Do, they, do I own them? I don't want to. I mean, I'm not telling you any names, but uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to say this wrong. But yeah, yeah, they actually do belong to my previous employer. Now. And he actually called this guy called Matt Taibbi right wing. <laughs> it's just idiotic. I mean, that just tells you they've got no fucking idea what they're talking about. Um like the way this has been dealt with by the by the mainstream press is a disgrace. I can see how if you're not as you know, I, I'm personally involved with this shadow banning stuff because I've I'm I'm pretty sure I've been shadow banned on Twitter and I'm gonna get into that. At some point, Elon Musk has promised there'll be some tools to figure out what the actual status of your Account is once that comes out, I'll do an episode on that and I'll report if I'm actually shadow banned if actually some of this stuff applies to my account, like I'm strongly suspecting. But you know, if you're not personally uh um uh involved in this and you're a tech journalist, I can see making the mistake I made with the Snowden revelations. And I'm on record about this. Um, I mean, there's some factors because at the time when the Snowden story broke uh, in 2012. I was just being fired uh, in London, and my my life was just. I was standing uh, in front of a smoking pile of rubble that had been the plans of the next ten years of my life. So I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't have all like I didn't have. I I I wasn't covering the story, and I I, basically I didn't have any brain space to deal with it. Um, But even if I did, once once I settled down and moved back to Germany, and you know, read a lot about the story my approach was basically, so what? Because I had been an IT security journalist and, you know, open source journalist, and we talked about this shit on on Linux Outlaws for ages. We're like, yeah, of course, the NSA is like mass recording internet traffic. Like the nerds, the hackers, we all knew this. Um, But it wasn't, like, I failed to see, and I've learned from this experience. Um, It took me a few years, but I learned that this is a very important lesson in journalism, especially in niche journalism like I'm doing. Um, the fact that something is basically known and you know everybody, especially the people who know what they're talking about, know this, um, doesn't make the fact that somebody coming out and proving it less of a story, um, because first of all, the mainstream people, the normal people on the street, don't know. Uh, they don't know have the have the insight that you have it's like when you're that close to a topic, and um it gives the, the story much more weight if you can prove it so even though we knew as nerds that the n s a was doing this shit, the fact that Snowden had uncovered this um and made it a mainstream news story um made it a big story, which I didn't understand back then. I understand now. so But I can see if you're in that same position that I was with Snowden back then, now with the Twitter stuff, and you've covered this stuff for years, and you're like, yeah, of course, tw- Twitter bans We knew this. I mean, they've been denying this, but we know. Right. We know. Everybody knows. Everybody's been like you just need to talk to some people and you know. We knew they were doing this, especially we knew we also knew that it was like vastly politically slanted, right? They were basically doing this to a lot of right wing Republican conservative accounts and almost no like left wing accounts, right? Um and, you know, they were, we knew this, we knew they were banning, you know, kicking Trump off Twitter, but like the Iranian Shah or whatever, it's fine. no, it's not it's not the Shah anymore, it's like the Ayatollah or whatever, like the prime minister of Iran who's basically, uh, <laughs> there's a tweet, I think that's still up, where he was like, yeah, uh, basically, uh, Muslim countries have the right to wipe Israel off the map and it will happen, right? And that's up. And then Trump goes like, uh yeah, uh, I really like the seventy thousand Patriots that v- voted for me. Twitter's like, yeah, well, that's incitement to violence, and we kick me off, right? And meanwhile, there's like, back in the day, there were ISIS accounts that were on Twitter for years. They were like posting videos of people getting beheaded, and yeah, Twitter. This is also why we knew they had all these tools. They, you know, unsurfaced them from the search. Uh, another good um, example is porn. Um, which you can now see again because Musk has turned a lot of this shit off but like before Musk on Twitter if you searched you couldn't find any porn uh, which didn't mean there wasn't a lot of porn on Twitter there was a lot of porn on Twitter basically every porn site a Twitter account uh, where they were post- posting their you know Pornhub stuff or like their OnlyFans stuff um, and if you had the links to the tweets like a deep link to the tweet or to the account you could fo- you know find it and you could follow them and you would get porn in your timeline Uh i know <laughs> because uh yeah uh, i i was doing so um i've always found that interesting um but you know uh so but these accounts were all like single right you couldn't like unless uh like you wouldn't this this content would would never become part of your timeline unless you like directly follow them um so we knew all of this um So I can understand if you're a tech journalist and you knew at this, we're like, this is not a story, but mainstream media immediately recognized, you know, because they're not so close to the forest that they can't see any of the trees. Like us tech people. I mean, they immediately recognized the Snowden story as a story because they were like, what the NSA is like writing all the internet traffic to hard drives. Holy shit. (laughs) Uh, and, and, like, they should have reacted the same way to this, right? They're like, what do you mean? Twitter worked with the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security. The head of trust and safety in tw- of Twitter had meetings with the director of national intelligence, Re- like regular meetings. You mean the FBI was going, here's a link to a tweet. Please do something about this. And Twitter did. What do you mean? Twitter was policing speech on Twitter on at the behest of the FBI. What? Like that's a story. Right? I mean the, the, the that at least that should should have been widely reported. Um I mean the the the, the Hunter Biden suppression is also a net, net, uh, uh, netbook. Now I'm showing my age. Uh laptop suppression is also a story. The way Trump was kicked off Twitter is is story um so it's just it's abysmal like this is an abysmal failure of the mainstream media and uh it's and you can see that they're doing this it's not like that they haven't noticed the story um because the outlets that have written about this have gone out of the way to tell people that this is not a story and that uh you know, these, these they they actually went out of their way to, to malign these people, right? To attack Matt Taibbi um and his colleagues. Actually, um I I I write a newsletter at Substack as well and I I I wrote all about like these um Twitter revelations in there as, as well and this Twitter file stuff. So I'm gonna link all of that. So if if you go to private Citizen Press as usual there's the show notes of this episode. Uh, there's lots of stuff to my newsletter where I wrote m- much more about this so if you if you want some stuff in writing you can you can also go there um, but like it's 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 interesting like one of the things I wrote in the as I record this in the latest newsletter I, I did like a a list because like you know um, Taibi was writing about this about this um, uh, why like how he's been, like, why this? How the story hasn't been picked up? How he's been basically insulted by other journalists, um and then actually, Grand Grand Green, Jesus, no agendas, my brain. Glenn Greenwald, Glenn Greenwald on um posts about this too, um uh, and he said, um you know, about how Taibi and the story's been treated. Um quote, don't underestimate how much journalist ra- how much journalist rage and bitterness is from impotence. I first saw it with the known story. They were furious independent journalists got that. You see it now with the success of Taibi Weiss and others on Substack, Rumble and YouTube. Um and he says in his new article, Meta addresses corporate media's insane conspiracy theories about what conditions he was uh, supposedly agreed to from Musk and whatever. Um and like the, the thing here is I think I think there's four different factors why mainstream media hasn't picked this up. The first thing is Elon Musk right now is the so called you know you know the current thing t m so hating Elon Musk is the current thing um you cannot be a friend of anything Elon Musk does right now, so any story that comes from him by definition must be bad um I think another problem is that mainstream media journalists are for better for worse often because you know they don't have any time um, and not get paid well they're just basically mindlessly rewriting other journalists stories which you can do when you use a trusted source tm you know like the new york times the washington post but you just can't do that when when the source of the story is taibi or some guy some other random guy on substack um if you did that, you'd actually have to do some research and you don't, you don't want to do that because that's work. Um, and then also uh, another big reason, of course, is that Twitter in the story might have done bad things, but they did it um, because, you know, orange man bad because they were fighting Trump. And where these people live, basically anything goes when it comes to fight Trump. Um, especially when we're talking 2020 here or the you know the last election um, basically anything short of a, a tactical nuke uh, is permissible uh, when you when you fight Trump so so this is why they don't cover this as well uh, and then I also think that you know Taibi, Weiss, Schellenberger are people who for lack of a better term aren't woke enough they're not with the in crowd you know this is what they mean when they say they're right wing um, so Schellenberger has issues with global warming uh, Weiss left the New York Times um, with a, a, a resignation letter that's basically a huge big um, middle finger to the establishment uh, the journalistic establishment and and Taibbi, uh I don't know probably has other i don't know they're just like not oh oh E B ivermectin of course E B asked some questions about like why aren't they covering ivermectin uh which came up in the monk debates by the way uh, i think that was uh, goldberg's big attack and then she actually misquoted it uh, mm, uh yeah so um it i think that this is basically why mainstream media hasn't picked the story up and it's it's a it's a disgrace i think it's horrible, but enough about the whole meta stuff. Um, let's do what the mainstream media isn't doing, and let's let's pick the story up. So the most important part about this, to me, is like the technical bit, and this is how um, you know the 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 system that Twitter built to do shadow banning, or what people call shadow banning. Technically, shadow banning is something like, you know, this used to be, I think this was invented on forums. Technically, shadow banning is if you have a user and they're causing trouble um, and you ban them, right? You kick off, you kill their account, then they know that they've been kicked off and they'll just sign up with another account and they cause trouble again. So to prevent that, people invented like the switch you can flip on a, on a user account where um, they post on the forum and they will see their own post, right? But nobody else will. As long as they're logged in, they will see their own post, but nobody else will. And so this gives them the feeling that they're, you know, able to influence the discussion but nobody else sees them. So hopefully then they'll just think that nobody replies to them and they'll go away. Technically, what Twitter does isn't that, or I don't think there's actually a case where they do that. They have much more sophisticated tools, but I'm okay with calling shadow banning. Um, It's degrees of shadow banning. Twitter doesn't call it shadow banning. They have a much more sophisticated term. They call it visibility filtering or VF. Um, So in this... First story by Barry Weiss, they've promised that they will have more details about how this works and there's more tools. But the the, the main three tools for this visibility filtering bullshit um, are the trans blacklist, the search blacklist, and the do not amplify tag. And so this is something you can slap on an account, right? So the trans blacklist means um, your treats... Um, Any the algorithm, they'll probably. I mean, none of this um, affects an account. So I am at Fabsh on Twitter. Fox.Alpha, Alpha Bravo Sierra Hotel. You follow me on there, you will see my tweets. Right, once once you follow me, you'll see my tweets. None of this would affect that. And and uh, you know, I think my my account actually. Is affected by some of this but i, I don't really know um but like I, I can tell you that this that's this is why it's not shadow banning because if you actually directly follow me you see my tweets um but like what the trans blacklist does if i had a tweet uh, and it would be uh it became popular people would like it a lot then um you know there would be lots of likes and retweets then eventually that tweet would trend like it start to trend in germany or whatever like um and and then it would the the algorithm would surface it to a lot of other people like normally if i tweeted something it the algorithm would still like like my tweet would get shown in the timeline of other people um that don't follow me right um but as long as it's not a very popular tweet it's just like i don't say let's say i post something about warhammer it might get shown to other people that twitter knows are into warhammer but that's not really trending um but like this trending is if you have a really popular tweet you'll get shown to like this is how twitter accounts basically take off and gets get thousands ten thousand hundred thousands more followers in a very short amount of time now if you're on the trends blacklist then this can never happen to you um, if you're on the search blacklist which is another knob they can another button they can push uh, then you, your tweet will, can't be found in searches. This is what happens to the porn accounts. Like they're on the, I'm pretty sure they are on, the, or they were on the trans blacklist and the search blacklist. So right, even if you search for, I don't know, dildo porn uh, or cream pie or whatever, then a relevant tweet with a relevant video, let's say, uh, would, would would never get you, – you can't find us. And they, they did that uh, specifically to all the ISIS accounts. They were on Twitter, and if, if you knew who you were looking for or you followed the accounts, you could see, like, the beheading videos. And people could send you links to that, which actually, you know, I was writing about this shit back in the day, and so I got, like, direct links. But you couldn't search for it. Like, it wouldn't be surfaced. Um, and then the do not amplify tag is more of a general thing that's, like, on an account um, – where like I think a lot of these things don't apply, right? You, I'm, I feel like my account has that, um, where like no matter how relevant your tweet is, uh, and no matter how how many people like it, it will never hit the algorithm in air quotes, right? It will never get amplified at all. Uh, it won't get shown. Um, it's like so. Twitter does things if you know you follow five hundred people. And I tweet something and like of those 500 people, let's say 350 follow me, but you don't. Um, Then it might surface my tweet to you um, because Twitter is like, okay, you, you have friends, you are, have interests in common with, with these people. Um, They all follow fab. So maybe fab tweets something, you know, it'll, it'll show, it'll show that tweet to them. And, um, You can see, like, if you look at these Twitter file uh, revelations, you can see that Twitter had, like, this internal um, interface, basically, where you can see a Twitter account, and it has all these labels, you know, uh, notification spike, search blacklist, multiple accounts, not safe for work, view, Twitter blue, verified, you know, all these, like, things about the account do not amplify, like, all the things um, somebody could have or some, an, an account um, could have. Um, now, of course, we all knew Twitter was doing this, um, but it's important to know this, not only to know the details, but now we know that they're light. And I don't, I've discussed this before. I don't use this term lightly, right? Um, I'm doing journalism here, and uh, I, my definition, which I think is relatively... Uh, uh, unopposed should rel- should be relatively unopposed of lying is somebody is speaking um, something that's untrue why at the while at the same time knowing that it's untrue right because you lie on purpose you don't lie by accident right so if you, this is a big issue I talked about a lot about this with Donald Trump because the press would say a lot of the time, trump lied and i'm like you can't say that as a responsible journalist because lying means he knew that he was saying the untruth and even if you're convinced of that as a journalist you kind of have to have at least like you know if not proof then you have to have like evidence that suggests he knew which is all of the times you just can't say somebody lied in a headline because you don't know you don't know what they're thinking uh, and I, I find this, especially with somebody like Trump, where a, a lot of the time I actually think he wasn't lying. He's just dumb. He's just the dumb shit uh, who like, probably didn't know. Somebody just told him something and then he just repeated it. He's like, you know, it's actually not lying. Um, whereas in this case, um, we know Twitter was lying because they're on the record of saying they didn't shadow ban and I mean, yes, they can now go. Well, we technically we didn't shadow ban, we uh, uh, visibility filtered. But I think you know that's mincing words. I think they knew what what was happening when the like what the reporters meant. And I actually specifically uh, wrote them. I mean, they didn't reply to me, but I I asked them because I was writing about this and suspecting my account was. Um, uh, was was hit by this like years ago. So I actually asked the, the press uh, uh, representative uh, directly um, whether they were filtering visibility. I didn't term it that way, but I didn't use the term shadow banning. It's basically explaining what I was thinking was happening with my account. Uh, they didn't reply to me back then, but they are on the record replying to other people and they said, we don't do that um, while they were doing that at the time. And uh, I think that's lying. You know, even even if the press person didn't know, uh, the press person was informed by somebody. So the company-wide, the company lied. The company knew that was was going on and their public, um, their official response to this was, we don't. Um, case in point, in 2018, Twitter's Vijaya Gaddy, then head of legal policy and trust, and Kavon Baikpur head of product, said, quote, we do not shadow ban. They added, and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints and ideology. Yeah, I think this was in place in 2018. I think we know. I think that's lying. Um, because, you know, Twitter employees, actually, there were, there are Twitter employees, or current Twitter employees, or former Twitter employees, that think that what they were doing was wrong, who talked to very wise and talked to Meta Evi, and um, they, were th- they were saying, um, think about visibility filtering as being a way for us to suppress what people see to different levels. It's a very powerful tool, one senior Twitter employee told us. Quote, we control visibility quite a bit and we control the amplification of your content quite a bit and normal people do not know how much we do one twitter engineer told us two additional twitter employees confirmed i mean they know they knew they were doing this obviously um now but this is bad enough right i understand content moderation i understand filtering porn i'm personally opposed to that i'm i think people should be more open with their sexuality and we would have a lot less problems in the world, but that's my opinion. And I know it's a um, very controversial one uh, and one that not many people um, actually uh, probably uh, agree with me on, but okay. I understand that. But we're not talking about normal content moderation. We're not talking about porn or child porn. We're talking about political speech. Talking about opinions uh, and political um, uh, expression largely by conservative politicians and, you know, hosts of TV shows and stuff like that. I mean, they have the also but they also have a doctor here who is like a well-known, like I think a Stanford doctor who wasn't like online. With the with the with the COVID propaganda, like you have to you have to shut that down. They were they were censoring that, and I'm I'm calling this censorship. Um, I'm putting a stake in the ground here. I'm calling it censorship. Um, maybe a little side point here. I know you know censorship when it comes to like the First Amendment and the laws we have in Germany. Um, these laws are about the state. Um, all these laws, the German Constitution the First Amendment uh, of the United States and, and other laws in other countries um, are aimed at censorship of the state, like the censorship that the state censoring people. Um, this is because of the time they were created. And, um, you know, we're talking about a time when um, the, the state had the means of basically the monopoly of um, the media, which in Germany was the case till the 90s um, until, you know, it, it took, well, well, okay, the 80s. It took like the early, in the early 80s, um, the first private television stations took off. Um, it took even longer for radio, but like until then, and like for most people, um, you know, who had a very small aerial and could get like four channels, like my parents, deep into the 90s, um, you had mostly state television. You know, like public broadcasting. Um, and so that's why these laws are aimed at the state. And they're very important. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you, that public comp- or private pu- companies, whatever companies, can't engage in censorship. And there's always this straw man argument well, it's a private company, they can do on their platform whatever they want. Legally, they can. But I'm not a lawyer, and I'm, I'm not. What I'm doing here on this show is not a legal argument. I don't fucking care about the laws, really. In this context, I am a student of politics and of history, and I think that you know I'm 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 concerned with morality and like the long-term survival of our democratic societies. And as such, I think that laws need to get changed sometimes. And I think here is a. Pro- point where we will have to change our laws uh, but that will take a long time before they do when I'm talking about our society and negative and positive impacts on it and and our democracy it is just a fact of life that especially Twitter um, or like social media platforms but especially Twitter are where our public discourse is being held and it doesn't matter if they're private companies Um, when we're talking about freedom of speech which is very important in a democracy um and that happens to be on twitter on a platform by a private company um they shouldn't be allowed to censor shit i don't care about the terms of so i don't care like if we need to change the laws then we need to change the laws but like if your company and your product is basically providing the town square for this democracy providing the 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 forum where people exchange ideas and providing a forum that influences the news and journalists massively and and in turn I've talked about this a lot of times before on the show and in turn those they influence politicians i mean twitter discourse on twitter creates public um opinions forms public opinions influences people to create laws politicians to act because they think people their constituents um feel a certain way because lots of people say that on twitter now now we have a private company that runs this and influences this like you know uh, Influences this public discourse by by making things some things more prominent and not disappearing other things, um, yeah. The first amendment, whatever country you're in, the first amendment, the, the, the Grundgesetz, the constitution in Germany, yes, should apply to that. If it doesn't, um, that's a shortcoming that we need to fix. I think it it's not an argument for it's okay what Twitter's doing. It's not okay what they're doing from a moral and a political. standpoint, standpoint it's not and the only reason the majority of people aren't seeing this is because what they were doing is in putting then some on the scale of political discourse in a direction that a lot of people agree with right and it takes I think it takes special insight. I don't know. Maybe you need to be like us, listen to the show, can think for themselves, or maybe you, you have to have, have to have gone to university. I don't know, um, and 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 listen to some professors and understand that, or like, yeah, especially in like a humanity subject, and understand that this kind of shit is dangerous, and it doesn't matter what, like, it doesn't matter if this the side it's leaning on is the side you agree on. I actually agree. I don't like Donald Trump. Um, and I don't, I didn't want to see him become president. I didn't want to see him stay president. Um, but that does not mean that I can't transcend that and see how dangerous it is for for a private company, for arbitrary reasons to influence political discord to this um degree where people use a platform where they think they have a voice and behind the scenes their voice is just being muted and they're not being heard and other people are being amplified and then suddenly this is how this is why our society is in the shits this is how these filter bubbles get created right all these these bubbles where suddenly politicians believe that that certain things are just the, the majority of people believe that um and they're just, like, disconnected from society because they live on platforms like this, uh, you know. And they, they, they suddenly then they wake up and they're like, shit, now everybody's vo- voting for this weird right-wing party because they're the only ones who are, even though they're all nutcases or maybe because they're nutcases, they're like, we don't care about, like, what Twitter says. We think the world's actually different. And then some people go like, well, actually, they're closer to reality than... Then rest of these people who actually believe all this bullshit on Twitter, this is, this is really, really dangerous. And what's even more concerning is not only that Twitter did it, but the way in which they did. So because, you know, um, according to these files, um, so Twitter had a process. Sperry Rice says the group that decides whether to li- to limit the reach of certain users was the Strategic Response Team, Global Escalation Team, or SRTGET. Stupid name. Uh, it often handled up to 200 cases a day. So these are this was like a team that was that was tasked with this, and they did a lot of things with like automatic dis- detection stuff, and they tried to be relatively like in air quotes, scientific about this and, and, and reproducible and have guidelines and rules. Um, but as Barry Rice says, but there existed a level of, uh, a level beyond official ticketing. So they had a ticket system and everything uh, beyond the rank and file moderators following the compass, company's policy on paper. And like the policy is bad enough, but at least there was a policy. But there's this other team that is the site integrity policy. Policy escalation support. Another stupid name. SIP PASS. This secret group included head of legal policy and trust Vijaya Gaddy, the global head of trust and safety Yol Roth, subse- subsequent CEOs Jack Dorsey and Parag Agrival and others. So they had this cabal of people, and you see this in these. You have this this cabal of powerful executives who had their own Slack channels who were just, like, deciding things on a whim. And they were, like, even uh, second-guessing or, or, like, overruling this other team which was actually supposed to deal with this stuff. Um, And they were, like, if you read these Slack chats, it's, it's, it's what they're doing is actually, like, it actually disgusts me because Twitter has, like, rules, right? They have, they came up with this, really so they started out blue-eyed silicon valley tech startup freedom to the people all hippies here then they figured out okay shit now we have child porn on the platform uh now we need rules and then they try to make a very elaborate huge like codex of rules where like you know if you're inside like yeah you have freedom of speech unless you're ex- you you know you incite violence or something, which is reasonable. That like laws are like that as well, right? You you, you, know, you can't shout fire in a the theater, that kind of thing. That's not covered by freedom of speech. Um, but then you have this cabal of like executives who are now starting to use these rules. They're not. You can see in these Slack chats that they're not um, trying to follow the rules. They're like, okay, we want to slap this account. It's like Republican account or whatever with with a violation um, what rule would be best like they're literally going around like what would be the rule so and they internally admit kind of admit to this in these chats so they they knew that they were misusing the rules like they were using technicalities so that they if if asked externally that they could um, justify um what they were doing like not to actually they they weren't consulting the rules um to to follow them but like to justify their own like gut instincts and i mean this is like 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 Joel Rothy is saying in this like, a lot of times SI has used technicality spam enforcements as a way to solve a problem created by safety under enforcing a problem created by safety under enforcing their policies, which again isn't a problem per se. Okay, I don't understand why not, but but it keeps us from addressing the root cause of the issue, which is that our safety policies need some attention. Um yeah no um no uh that's not your problem like so not only do you have a private company who's suddenly taking it upon themselves like they've created this platform which becomes one of the most important platforms for free speech for political speech for um people to voice their opinions in the world um you know it usually influences the news influences journalists and and now they're taking it upon themselves like they start out with hippies you know let's, let's everybody can do whatever they want and then suddenly they take it upon themselves and they say this especially this R- your roth guy um yeah. They say this, that they that they want to kind of police speech because they want to prevent, they want to, to do good in the world. There's lots of um, Twitter employees in these chats who mean well, you know, they, they want to do good for the world. Um, and they are convinced that they can only do that by like hiding certain people's tweets which is incredibly misguided. But like for example this Yo Roth guy is is completely misguided. There's like one chat like just you know I just saw that it's just like a one off somewhere um where he's talking about that he went like he quit academia and went uh to go into he he went into business because he thinks that that it's a better place to do good in the world. Like I mean these are like literally these are <coughs> I mean I think they think of themselves as like, as like left people, right? Liberal people and he's like yeah well capitalism is a better way to do good for society than like working at the university. I mean that that is incredibly dumb. Um but like okay. Um so these are people who are idealistic. And I would even go as far as saying their heart is in the right spot. They want to do the right thing. But, like, they are blinded to what they're doing. They don't see that, like, in doing so. They're, like, censoring, like, people. And, like, they talk about the First Amendment. You can see in this, um, in, in, in later episodes, I will go into this in more detail, uh, especially next episode with the Hunter Biden Laptop. Um, when they discuss the First Amendment and they go like, um, yeah, well, I think this also Joel Roth at one point explains to an employee, another employee, goes like, well, yeah, but the First Amendment doesn't apply to us. It applies to the government, which is true. But like, if you're an intelligent human being, you'd have to go like, okay, so we have a law that the government shouldn't do something to the public because it's bad. And you're just justifying that you can do that, right? That's like saying, okay, we have a law that the government can't like randomly grab people off the street and shoot them because that's really bad. But like, hey, that law doesn't apply to companies. I mean, it does, I'm just saying, you know, but it doesn't apply to companies. So, so, so we should go out on the street and randomly grab people and shoot them. Still bad, what you're doing is bad, Censorship is bad. it always is there is there's no good that can that ever comes out of censorship. Um, but they're just not seeing that. They actually think they need to censor the public um to to do good for the world. You know, and, and this Joe Roth guy is like in there having meetings with, with the FBI and Department of Homeland Security He's actually feeling good about that. Like he's happy that he's in a meeting with the, you know, uh, uh, what's it, the, 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 the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. He's happy. He's like proud internally that he's in meetings with Homeland Security. Homeland Security is the fucking devil. Homeland Security is the behemoth that was created by George Bush to fucking basically create a police state in the US. It's horrible. It's it's a horrible, horrible, horrible organization. Um, and it's it suddenly become like good because Obama became president. Like doing the exact thing it has done before. This is like, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand these people. I don't understand this approach of um, like if the Republicans do something, it's evil. But if we do it, it's good because it's a force for good. Like that's not how the world works. The problem is that evil people, people doing bad things, always think they're doing the right thing. Right? There are, I'm going to have to bring it up. Get your like timer. Time to Nazi, f- perhaps time to Nazi timer. The Nazis, the top Nazis, people like Heinrich Himmler, Josef Goebbels. I don't know, but Hitler kind of kind of hard to tell what he was thinking. about. those were people who were Him- Himmler m- most definitely, who were um, convinced that what they were doing was the right thing. They were convinced. That killing millions of people was the right thing, right? This is why laws aren't written um laws are always written as if the bad people are in charge or the good ones are right because everybody who who is in power thinks that they came to power, they wanted to be in power to do good what what they think is good, right if what they were doing is actually good will only be decided afterwards by history um so that's why the only proper approach when you're in a, in a position of, of, of power or of, um, responsibility is, is to put yourself, like, think about like, use that, like, what's it, um, the, oh God, I have to, it's like the golden rule uh the country Kant- imperative what, what's that in english to look i have to look down oh no it's a category Kant was always going on about that like the categorical imperative um basically if you're doing something um imagine it would be it would have been done to you right so if you're like hey um we're in charge of twitter and we're trying we're trying to to um to limit trump's power um let's let's do this to the trump camp you have to imagine okay let's let's now imagine trump is in charge of twitter and i'm on the receiving end and they would do this to me would i would i like that would would i like donald trump to arbitrarily just like kill my twitter account or like elon musk or whatever You know that's how you how you check yourself. Um, Your your um, measure if you should do something, if you should take an action, should never be solely "Do I think it's right?" Because yeah, of course you think it's right. You've deluded yourself into thinking what you're doing is good for society. It doesn't mean it's actually good for society. And, I mean, kind of an indication that these people also kind of know or like the people who, who you know, the, the the part of the public who thinks what Twitter was doing there or who basically says what, what Twitter was doing there was justified. Um, how you can kind of tell that they're not really honest with that is because... If that was the case, there wouldn't be any outcry about these journalists um, releasing these files. Because if, if all this would have been above board and like completely understandable by everybody and like not controversial at all, then like releasing the behind the scenes wouldn't be bad. But people are specifically fighting this because it it looks bad. Because these people made the arbitrary decisions and use their power um, yeah in a in a in a really bad way I, I always want to call it corruption but like corruption is kind of I don't know they didn't get money for that it's not like traditional corruption right I guess if it was if it was actually right wing people doing that then that would be that kind of corruption and there would be a payoff somewhere but like often I find with the the, the other camp it's like ideological corruption right they just deluded themselves into thinking what they were doing was good, even though they're like working for a intelligence agency. Like they're basically taking orders from a secret police organization to politically censor people, um, people's speech because they have an opinion or they're saying things, um, that that these people don't that this camp like that also includes the secret police doesn't like yeah i i mean i'm 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 personally invested in this because i think that my account's been affected by this but even if i wasn't um you know the the thing we're going to talk about next episode um with the with the hunter biden laptop that was that was certainly the 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 straw that broke the camel's back for me like you know you have a uh a a journalistic story from a legitimate press outfit um being deleted off twitter like that is just that's just a no-go like you can't have that in a you can't have that and have a functioning democracy Right you can't go, I don't know, I don't care who does it if it's a private company or the government or it does not really matter. Um, you can't go and and infringe like on the ability of the press to inform the people on a large scale based on your personal beliefs or or like or based on based on your decision that like the outcome of the story is not what you would like it to be right like oh this could cause the 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 the, the, the this, this could cause the the presidential candidate that I think must win this election to lose and that's why we're blocking this story like even if even if and I'm, I'm 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 gonna go this far, even if Trump would have literally been Hitler, and the story comes out like, as it did, a month before the election, whatever it was. Um, and it literally causes Hitler to win the election. What they did, and we're gonna go into that more next episode. Um, what they did would still have been wrong, and. Because it destroys democracy, right? It it it, it destroys the mo- like back in the day Hitler came to power specifically because things like that would hap- were happening. He didn't come to power because he was so very convincing and such a good speaker. That is, um, that is a myth. That is there's an element of why, you know, they were able to take over Germany, but like people had lost faith. In democracy, democracy was very young in Germany, um, and people had lost faith because of the economic situation, because the politicians were doing stupid things, and you know because there was censorship going on because of things like this. Um, if you have a healthy democracy, you don't need to f- like you have you have freedom of speech, you have the ability for everybody to say what they think. Um, in a you know without being afraid um then you don't have to fear a take over by like dictators or fascists or whatever political ilk um you have to fear those people specifically when the 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 foundations of democracy get eroded when the press isn't reporting freely on all sides of the issue anymore when the press or the public is being censored it doesn't matter who's censoring them um if society moves in a way that like one of the important ways where we like inform each other and you know talk about talk talk to each other and 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 speak our our mind is now a private internet platform then so be it but like if you mess with that platform then you're you're attacking this important. Like I don't want to make Twitter like a pillar of democracy, but in this case, it basically becomes that, for for better or for worse. Um, and it, it is somewhat mind. I mean, I think I get that people are ideologically like locked in to whatever they're thinking, but like. How can you be that locked in to not see that something like this would be a problem? Um, how can you be so deep in your filter bubble? I mean, as we will see when we talk about this further, there were Twitter employees who literally thought Trump was as bad as Hitler, Hitler. Like they literally thought that there were that either dumb or like locked into their filter bubble or both. Um, so I mean those people are lost. If you, if you like if you're that if you if you're that clueless about history then you know you can't like you're lost. But like I'm I'm now not talking about Twitter employees. I'm like I'm I'm talking about people defending what is happening here. Um Yeah, companies like this have to moderate content. Yes. Um Intelligence services will always have a hand in that, and shit like this will happen like as long as we have algorithms it It isn't better on Facebook I mean Facebook started the shit with like banning trump right um and yeah i I think deleting the 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 laptop story was on Twitter first, but like it doesn't matter like all these systems and especially all these Silicon Valley companies work like this it's not like that Twitter is worse than other companies but and it's not like we can stop this from happening this will always happen but holy shit we have evidence of this happening right now why aren't more people condemning this this is bad this is bad and we need to fight this wherever it's happening it doesn't matter who did it in what and what political persuasion they were? this is bad this is bad for like why do you think discourse is so public discourse is so fraught and 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 and, and almost impossible right now? Why do you think these camps are so bad um because things like that is happening because Twitter was like limiting people that were more conservative and they knew they figured that shit out. And then they were like, Oh, uh, why is my account being visibility filtered? And, and Twitter's like, no, we're not doing this. You're like a, you're, you're, you're just like a conspiracy theorist. Like this is another case where I would say conspiracy theory is just a theory. And sometimes that's right. Like, I was saying for, for years that this was happening to my account. Or like, even if it's not happening to my account, I know people who, who, are, who it's definitely happening to. And, and, you know, I was saying this is happening at Twitter. And Twitter was saying, no, we're not doing this. So, so actually, I, 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 I was perpetuating, perpetuating a conspiracy theory. Just like I was when I said the NSA is like copying all the internet traffic. It was a conspiracy theory, but then Snowden came out and suddenly it's, uh, it's true. And now we have Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi comes out with the Twitter files It's like, oh, this is true. This conspiracy theory turns out to be true because there was a conspiracy at Twitter by very few uh, powerful people to use the content moderation tools they had built um, to filter speech according to their own uh, whims. It's just it's just bad. It's it's very bad. But what is what is worse is the worse is that people aren't outraged about this. I mean there's literally a lot of people think this is a good idea. They think speech should be filtered because you know Trump was inciting violence and uh, he was egging on terrorists you know who stormed the capitol all of that, even if I concede that all of that's true, you should still not center. But these people don't understand that. But they, but like I don't know. It's probably I'm 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 blaming the education system. Like people, people just don't don't know anymore. I, I, they just they haven't learned um, because it's 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 very complex to understand. Well, actually, it's not that complex. But I, I think you need to, like, it's it's abstract. Like, you know, um, democracy and how it works is, is abstract. And you need to be probably relatively intelligent to understand that, like, if you undermine these systems, you just undermine um, faith in the whole thing. And the whole thing is just held up by faith, right? Basically, people believing in that it works. And if it doesn't work, then it collapses. Um, it, it It kind of reminds me of, like, Security by obscurity, how like a lot of people think, um, like security. If they if they haven't um, dealt with IT security, then they you know they actually think that works. You know they actually they actually think that um, you don't really have to like uh, like the the fact that you you you're just like let's say you write so- you have software and you have security vulnerabilities, then they think that. Keeping those security vulnerabilities secret works. Instead of understanding that the most important thing is to fix them, and that the only way to get them fixed is if you publicize them, because otherwise companies will never be incentivized directly spend money to fix them. Um, which is also something. It's like a counter counterintuitive thing, I guess. Um, and I guess the same goes with with censorship. We have we have we have done. I think as societies I think most West, I think pretty much all Western societies have this problem, we've done a very bad job uh, in explaining to people why why censorship's a bad thing. Maybe I should do an episode on that. maybe I should do like a primer and just like do it really from a from a from a high level to a very like detailed or I don't know I'll think about that. Um, if you think that's a good idea, um, you can give me feedback on, on that. And uh, speaking, speaking of feedback, speaking of feedback, there actually isn't any. But um, go to the show notes, Private Citizen or Press, uh, under producer feedback. As I said, um, just because in the way I'm recording these shows right now, I just can't put any any feedback in there right now but um, i hope i'll do another feedback episode before the end of the year and i do always uh, appreciate your feedback so if you have any on previous episodes on this one please let me know if you have any ideas what i should cover Um, i will try to the list is very long of things to cover but i i will i will give my best come to the part of the show where I point out that I'm doing this for free and that you get the show for free and that's all well and good because it's a value for value model. But if you want to help out and I do need some help at some point to produce this show um you can you know go to private press. you can send me feedback or you can send me money which also helps. Uh got I got uh, a Patreon and uh, I got PayPal if you just want to PayPal one off Of money, Uh, Patreon is like a monthly thing where you are kind of, you know, you're kind of subscribing to the show and you're paying a little bit of money and you're helping the show keep going, which is very much appreciated and and something I I do need as a freelance journalist who's not raking in the money at all, Um, kind of just trying to keep afloat, really. Um, That helps. So, let me thank all the people who kept me afloat, uh, especially during the time where I wasn't producing any episodes and who have subsequently helped me get this episode out. So uh, thanks, Sergo, Taron, Rodane the Insane, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Michael Small, 1i11g, there's a guy speeding in the car past, you might, you might hear that, um, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jonathan M. Jonathan M. Hitai, Michael Mel Jensen, Dave, Sandman616, Jackie Plage, IKN, Bennett Piata, Rizal, IndieGameEx, Avis, Vlad, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, almost can't talk anymore, I'm sorry. Kaisir, David Potter, Cam, Mika, Mr. Amish, Robert Forster, Krunkle, Capneckat. RJ Tracy, Rick Brack, Ricky M, Astro C, Barry Williams, Jonathan Superuser D, Florian Pigosh, and Johan Sonnen who actually uh, covered one of his, uh, his talks at Foster at one point on the show. So it's very cool that he's pitching in, helping out. And then I also have to thank my Twitch subscribers which, you know, I'm not live streaming currently. I just couldn't get like I'm also, you know, I'm still not 100% so I'm, I'm lucky I got this episode out as it is but anyway still uh, I, I stream on Twitch uh, quite often uh, Twitch TV, Foxtrot Alpha Bravo and thanks to my subscribers who also you know they're subscribed to the channel and the money also keeps the show going so uh, thanks to Mike Dedane, Jonathan Jonathan 4747, MTE Sorrow, Galteron, l Jim P.Keymer Mode 7's unavailable, Redeemer F and Stupid End User and also, thanks to ByteMark at bytemark.co.uk. They're a um, UK cloud hosting company and uh, they provide me with the bandwidth and the servers to store and, and send you the podcast audio files. So they kind of also uh, help to keep the show going, could do it without them. So thanks to ByteMark doing their thing for free speech, which I think is amazing and as you can probably tell my voice is just giving up i can't just can't talk anymore so i'm, I'm going to get out of here so you know it's, it's good that i didn't do any feedback because i'm just not up for it uh, i'll be back as soon as possible probably with another episode on the twitter files because there's still more important stuff in there um, until then i hope you have a have a good time uh, the the theme song for this show is called acoustic roots by ruka Kabazali. and i'm going to play you out now with a song called bebop rhythm net no, pretty much explains what it is by Ventler so uh, see you soon aim to misbehave.